Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. Well, we are a family. We love this. And for the longest time, college students, I used to kind of like, I don't know, you take up space. You don't let me eat at Chipotle. I kind of get mad at you. Uh, but then I kind of realized that there's this, this, this privilege that God gives us, that you come here for your school year, we get to yell the gospel at you, and you all, I believe this week, you're about to like, all back to where you come from, is that true? Yeah, I got at least somebody that's like, yep. So if you're a college student, will you stand up? Thank you. Okay, cool. And I, and I know you're standing, and you're like, oh, I don't want to, just, we just want to pray for you as a body. Uh, maybe as like brothers and sisters or mothers and fathers. So if you're a part of the membership here, well, if they're close to you, feel free, smack a hand on them. Um, just, we're just gonna bless you. So Lord, we bless these college students in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would set up divine appointments for them this summer, that it wouldn't just be internships or vacation, it would be holy moment after holy moment where God, you would woo them and show them your love, that you would use them to send the gospel to nations. Thank you for these college students. Thank you for these women of God. Thank you for these men of God. We speak life over them. And if they're bound by anything, break in the name of Jesus. Thank you for our college students. Thank you for this generation that will carry the gospel and will not be ashamed. In Jesus' name, amen? I love you guys. So thank you for being here, really. And I could do that for all our age groups. We don't just like college students. So it may be like, if you're old, stand up. Just kidding, don't do that. I'd date you all. Uh, what I'd like to do is talk about some topics the next four weeks that are considered you don't talk about them because people get mad. And I feel this, this John Knox, John the Baptist vibe coming over me. If you're like, who the heck's John Knox? Uh, he was a preacher that stood up to the Queen of England, uh, and he was Scottish. And he was known to preach so fiercely that people would literally try to kill him. And so she, the Queen of England, once said, I'm so, I, I fear John Knox's prayers more than any army of Scotland. So it's just this, this John the Baptist stood up to Herod and preached against what was wrong uh, as a voice crying out in the wilderness, like, the, make path, the path straight for the Lord. And then we live in a culture where there are topics that you are supposed to not talk about and kind of just, just bow out of. And I just... Maybe I'm stubborn, maybe I'm a little bit ornery, maybe, but I also believe God's word does speak to gender, sexuality, homosexuality, what's, what's proper in the household of God, and we are, we are in, a, in a moment right now where those topics, they are being taught not by the church, but by TikTok by posters on the wall at school, to whole campaigns and languages that are being taught to our kids. I have kids that are, if they were in, home, like not homeschooled, but if they were in public school, there'd be language that they'd be learning that's trying to subvert some things that scripture says, this is the way that it is. And so I just feel like I was a little nervous actually before this, because you talk about these topics and I can't wait to get canceled. I love to go to jail. Like, let's go. But in reality, that mindset was what started Christianity. The, the early Christians, you know what they weren't afraid of? Death, 
The thing that the early Christians heralded to the earth, we're not afraid to die. We'll be martyrs for this. We believe in it so much. You could take our stuff, you could take our families, you could burn our house down, but we believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. It was a testimony. And then in this day and age, we're like, don't be mad at me. Do you see the, there's a weirdness to it. The second thing that you'll see in the early Christians is they stood out because they're martyrs and they're virgins. And you're like, virgin, what's that about? They did not buy into the Roman idea of sexuality or the Roman idea of gender or the Roman idea that it didn't matter who you slept with. They boldly were like, we'll die for it and we won't participate in the things you participate in. That was early Christianity. It's really harder today as Christians to differentiate. Is that a real Christian? I don't know where we stand. And so I just get to like kind of fearlessly John Knox style. So this week we're going to talk about gender, male, female, man, woman. Uh, Where's that idea at in scripture? Uh, I know that there are kids in this room and I actually sent a letter out to the family. So if you did not get that letter, I'm going to pray here in a second. And that is your time to like earmuff your child or take them out of the room. I'm not going to try to be crass or say anything too outlandish that they're not already aware of because I have a six-year-old daughter and she's not leaving. Uh, And because this is the reality, it's everywhere. I can't watch a show. We, We actually count sitcom episodes until somebody who's trans or homosexual shows up. And then we're like, there it is. There's an agenda. There's a, there's a language, and it's not biblical. And really what, what's happened is it's, an, an un, it's very unpopular right now to have a strength of conviction. Do you know that? In fact, the way to win any argument in our world right now is just to go, I just don't know. It almost like protects you as if not knowing and claiming, you know, I don't want to eat, that that somehow is the better position. But I don't know if you know this, the Bible is full of truth claims. Jesus makes truth, I am the way. So any other way that's not Jesus is not the way. I am the way, I am the truth. So any other truth that doesn't come in line with King Jesus is not true. And he is the life. So if Jesus sets this life off of following him, that might include persecution and martyrdom and a life of following him where I actually, I submit my sexuality to him, but then I I keep running into Christians who are like, I get to do what I want sexually, but I still get to follow Jesus. I'm like, I didn't feel like I did it, that's it feel like we have a disconnect. And so we're going to talk about gender and sexuality this week. We're going to talk about marriage and divorce and remarriage next week. Topics that no one, anybody ever heard a, a sermon on remarriage and divorce? Great. That's my whole goal this whole month. Not to make you mad or uncomfortable, to arm you with the truth of God, because what's starting to take place is truth is pointy. What I mean is, if you came face-to-face with Jesus Christ, what would happen? Would you change or would he change? You would. Why? Because he would, he would bring the very essence of what is true. You would become face-to-face with it. Truth has a sharp edge to it. But the more that I look at culture, and I try to do that as a pastor and a shepherd, because you're in a real world, and I want you to carry real faith into a real world. What we're being taught is take your true things and shave off all the sharp parts. It should never be offensive. 
it should never make anybody question. It should never make anybody even slightly, they should always just feel loved and accepted and happy. That is never what truth has done to my life. Truth has torn down my belief structures and gone, there really is a holy God and there really is punishment for sin and there really is a Jesus that died on the cross for my sin and if I don't come to him, I'm under wrath. That's true. Why, do, why are we afraid of that, Christian? That's true. The reality is we're afraid of that because it's been wielded in a way that doesn't look like Jesus. It's wielded in a way sometimes that's harsh, unloving, There's street corner preachers that love to tell people they're going to hell, and I don't know why they love it so much. That message I just gave you, there is a holy God, and he created you, and he sent his son to save you. He loves you and is pursuing you, is the hope of the world. That's the best message going. But the normal message that I hear right now is, well, if you don't like what you are, choose something you want to be but that's not how this works. And that's not rooted in science or history. That's rooted in biblical truth. God set this whole thing up. So let me ask you a question. And this is, I know some of you are gonna, you're gonna heckle me. Am I a man? How do you know? Because I have a beard? I've met some women, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, <laughs> I am, okay? And, and, and I'm not even trying to go political on any of this. And before I even go any farther, I do want to pray to give those parents an out. But I understand that these topics create a lot of emotion. And as we got into talking about, we have to talk about real life. If you don't talk about real life and what the Bible says, you let the world form the church. You let the Bible form the church. And so if this creates some, like, feelings, please don't run away. You could tell me I'm dead wrong. You could tell me I'm insensitive. You could tell me I don't understand chromosomes. and You could tell me I probably don't. All I'm offering you today is not a full breakdown of everything that it is transgenderism and homosexuality and gender. What I am gonna offer you though is what I know, that the word of God states some things very clearly. And when you state those things clearly, it makes all the noise of the earth quiet. Because that's what God's word does. It's that this is true. So let me pray. Parents, now you know where we're headed. I didn't even finish the third topic. So then on the week three, big, big red, Jeremiah is going to come up here and talk about conflict because there seems to be a lot of conflict on the earth right now. People are really hostile towards each other. We have no way to dialogue anymore. We just go straight to stabbing each other. And then we want to talk about finances on week four because doesn't everybody love a good church finance sermon? (laughs) These are the topics that we don't talk about, but God does. So why are we afraid? We're not. We're gonna John Baptist this thing. We're gonna John Knox this thing. We're gonna say things that are true with the love of Christ, okay? God, we love you. And we really do wanna be formed by your word and not by the culture. And I thank you even like I was stepping up here and in my head I was like, God, I don't want to give this sermon. Because people get hurt or people get mis- it's just. But I just pray, thank you, that when I stood up, I just felt your peace and your courage. And I pray that same peace and that same courage on every person in this room. That we submit to you and your word, which means we kneel, we submit, we choose your way, God. 
And if that makes us get in trouble with the earth, then we choose heaven. If that makes us uh, kind of wanderers in the world, this is not our home. And so God, I thank you for your word that it is clear. And I thank you, and would you just guard the kids' ears in this room, guard the parents' ears, give them wisdom as they go home and have conversations they must have as parents. Would you help us as roommates and parents that some of us probably even have kids that are asking some of these questions for themselves. Help us, God, lead them in truth and to tell them what's true in you. Help us all, God, in a generation, in a world that's struggling with these questions to lead them to the God that made them. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get to the crux of gender and what's God have to say about this, biblically, we, we actually are kind of warned that we're going to need to talk about things and that there's going to be a wandering away. Some of you have heard this, but it's 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. Uh, it, it's it's kind of, it's a warning to guys like me and it's a warning to people like you not to just go find people that'll tell you what you want to hear. Do you want to know the mark of a good friend? They'll tell you when you're wrong. They'll tell you when you're being stupid. They don't just pat you on the back and go, man, I'm, I'm all, bravo. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. I do think you're seeing that happen on the earth. And I do think social media is being used to do that and propagate that because it's giving audiences to people who should never be teaching. So it's really easy to get a whole catalog of social media following of, of, of teachers who are teaching what people want to hear. I can probably pull up, if I even really quickly on my phone, at least three teachings that would go the exact opposite direction what I'm going to go today. And they were going to use the Bible. They're going to take Greek verbs, and they're going to tell you they don't mean what they originally meant. They mean this. It'll be crafty language. It'll be biblical language. It'll use language like the Trinity and the nature of God and the character. It'll, it'll use all the language that I'm going to use. What we have to decide is, okay, I'm going to go, even me, go after this, and I'm going to search scripture. So if I asked you, what is a man? What categorically makes me a man? Is it the beard? If I shave my beard, am I not a man? Are you laughing? Am I not a man? I'm gonna grow it longer. I'm gonna grow this thing down my belly button. We're super manly, right? If I, I'm not the biggest man in this room, I muscularly, like I'm not, I'm kind of a small guy. I'm five foot nine, 182, if you wanna know. Uh, blue eyes, blonde hair. I mean, what makes me that? And you can go read books like Jesus and John Wayne, and it'll start making arguments that really culturally Christians have bought into this idea of this masculine, chauvinistic, gun-toting, American red-blooded thing makes us a man, but that's not what the Bible says. So if you have a Bible, and not if, you should have a Bible, you should know the Word of God as much as I do, which is what we're trying to do. Go to Genesis chapter 1. You're like, that's where we're, yes. That's the foundation of this whole thing. And really, when Christians and non-Christians end up disagreeing on gender, on sex, on anything, it's because they start at different places. 
Christian, where do we start? The Bible, God, Jesus. One of those, right? We start with God, not man. If I start with humanity as my basis for ethics or morality or sexuality or gender ethics, all that, I will get weird because it will be based on humans. We are the people that gladly go God first. So Genesis 1, it's Genesis 1-1. Christians believe everything in the Bible. So some of you need to hear, we believe every word of the Bible. I don't think you need to take the Old Testament and throw it over there and take the New Testament. I think you need to keep those things together because Jesus did. I think God has a message that goes from Genesis 1 to Revelation. And it is one compelling message. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning. So when was this? In the beginning. The beginning of what? All the things. Before there was, in the beginning, who? God, triune in nature, omniscient, omnipresent, all the omnis, holy, beautiful, does not need anything, is not lacking God. He's powerful, he's real, he's there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's a cool statement because typically we make God into like a 72-year-old white toga-wearing kind of white guy with a beard, like a family guy God-looking vibe, but like that kind of vibe. That's what we picture God, right? The Bible says he created the heavens. Now, think into the heavens right now. What's up in the heavens? Stars, planets, galaxies. Go past that. Keep going. Are there more? The Bible just said God's way bigger than you you actually have mind for. He created the heavens and the, what are you standing on? Earth, so the flora and the fauna, and he creates animals and giraffes and three-toed sloths, what? And all these beautiful things, and you're like, the things that we marvel at and we love, I mean, the things that are cool about a rainstorm, when anybody wake up with the first lightning crack? You're like, I didn't love that so much, but that's, The power and the beauty, that's creation. God, right? Right off the bat, though, we diverge off of verse one of the Bible from the world. You know that, right? I love when I'm on a university camp. This is where I start. You know why? It offends everyone. Because this is how it goes. In the beginning, God created you, man, or woman, whoever I'm talking to. And they go, I am a scientific person. I believe in observable, repeatable science. And I, as a high intellectual, believe that nothing exploded. Did you hear the stupid, I almost said stupidity. Did you hear the theory on that? Did you hear that we we start in opposite places? So the non-Christian atheist agnostic goes, nope, everything came out of nothing when it exploded. That's their answer. So the Christian goes, no, 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 no. You and I, we did not happen by chance. We are not a loose clump of cells that didn't cry out of primordial ooze. There was not nothing, and then all of a sudden, nothing blew up. How does that happen? God, who's infinite before all things and does not need anything, spoke out of who he is and formed humanity. 
That actually sounds more like logic than the other thing. And so some of us, we've been really like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not one of those Christians that believes all that other stuff because science. And we are trying so hard to reconcile our faith in Jesus Christ, the living son of God, and evolution, and in creationism. And we're like, well, I don't want to be a weird Christian. So let's just cut off the Genesis 1. Do not cut off Genesis 1. Why do we not cut off Genesis 1? Because not only did Moses write this, I believe, but Jesus himself teaches this. And then Paul goes to bat on this. Continue reading with me. Go to verse 26 to 27. This is the moment that you and I, as a species, as humanity, we come to be. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Whose image are we made in? And after our likeness. So whose likeness are we in? I'm glad you guys are talking to me today, so I don't have to preach angry. Uh, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what do we have right there? We have a declaration that almighty God, the creator and sustainer of all things, which is in every major doctrinal creed, that he is the creator, and he is the sustainer, made the very first man and the very first woman. Those are the categories, biblically. Do you see how that's just like, there it is. And I don't have any other categories. I have man and I have woman. And Christians believe that this is the moment that God created. It wasn't man's idea. So it's not, oh, there's a baby. What, 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 what pipes does it got? Now I know what it is. It's God decided this from the very beginning. And he puts gender in there and he puts marriage in there and he puts sex in there. That was God's idea. I, don't, I'm, I think Adam figured it out pretty quick, but it wasn't even Adam's idea. God created sex, y'all. Did you hear me? And I know we're in church, so we're a bunch of like, prudes a little bit, but God created sex. Not Satan and not the earth. Which means, I'm gonna have you say some things. Ready? God created gender, marriage, and sex. Say it. You could say that anywhere you go on the earth, and they might look at you, they might hate you. That is true. That's what we believe. That's Christianity. God made this stuff up. He's the creator and sustainer. He's the designer behind all of that. And we don't have time to go into all the evolution and macro and micro and all that stuff. But if you look at a normal, look at your life. Your ability to perceive the words that I'm saying are vocal seismic waves that are going into little ear bones that are very, very small and your brain is processing them through neurons, which is then blood is pumping and information and you're, you're, you're comprehending it right now, maybe. That's complex, is it not? Your heart, if it stops beating, what happens? You dead. But the way that the body processes carbon and oxygen and breathes it in and flows it through the body and outputs carbon, like, it's amazingly complex and also amazingly designed. So the world right now is questioning what has always been a foundational, foundational truth of, of most of humanity. And the reason that there's this confusion about gender and about sexuality is because they don't have a creator as the starting point. If I'm nothing, and if I just came by chance, it doesn't matter what I do. 
But you, this is why this is not a scary message for us. We get to look into humanity's eyes, the transgender person, the homosexual person, anybody on the earth, okay, heterosexual sinner, homosexual sinner. I don't care what kind of flavor of sin they have, and we get to go, God made you, which is a good declaration. God made you and designed you, and you bear resemblances to his image and likeness, and he didn't make you for this. Now, that'll get you in trouble because you're not supposed to judge anything right now. Let's say you're walking down the street, Christian, and you see somebody, they got needle tracks in their arm, they look zombied out, and you look at them and you go, I don't think you have a problem at all. Are you being real? Are you being loving? No. And really, the reality is, if you meet a guy like that and you go, hey, dude, it looks like you, looks like you got some problems. Can I help? You know what they'll say? I do. They know they're stuck. But the reality is right now we have this conversation happening in culture where you say that to someone questioning gender or questioning sexuality, and they will go, how dare you? Because that's who they are. But what we declare is that's not who you are because God made you. Now, that's a scary conversation. You don't need to just run around, slant walk, yelling that at people. But that's where I go a lot of times. And kids, if you're a kid and you're in school and they're telling you, no, you came from this or you came from monkeys, I go, no, no, no. You stand up and go, you don't have to fight them. You don't have to get obstinate. You don't have to kick over the lab table and pull the little fire hose thing. You don't have to do any of that. You know what I mean? And then run out. You just get to say, no, no, no. I believe that God made me and God made you. And that means there's worth and dignity and that there's image bearers everywhere. There's not a single person that you will meet that maybe the... the The waitress or wherever you go after this, you know what she is? An image bearer. Now, let's say she's pregnant, smoking, and drinking whiskey while she takes your order at at Taco Bell. It's weird. Just ADD. Is she still an image bearer? So what do you get to say to her? Hey, you're an image bearer, and the things that you're imaging right now are not God's best for you. Do you want to know about God's best? See, this is an invitation, but so long, for so long, Christians have had, we haven't been taught to enter the dialogue, so all we have to do is just throw like, that's wrong, stop it! Noah liked it, my son liked it. But what did Jesus do? Jesus sat with the woman at the well and called her out on five husbands. And she runs away going, I met a man that told me everything I ever did. Who says that? Well, apparently Jesus can get away with telling someone all of their sins. We get, we get afraid when we even have to say Jesus loves you to people today. Do you not? Do you not get nervous? What do they say? They're gonna think I'm judging them? And Jesus constantly is like, tell them the truth. In the beginning, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. So the language of the Bible is boys and men and girls, and women, and fathers, and mo- it's gendered, is it not? The Our Father prayer starts with our, I just told you the Our Father prayer. Father is a gendered word, is it not? Does it ever bother you? Have you ever thought deeply enough, Christian, why did God go with father and not mother? And did God decide that, or did men decide that? And when you get into these topics, they get hard to think about, and so we don't, but the time is now here where we must think about these deeper than ever. 
What makes me a man? What makes you a woman? Why is God our father? What, what is, how is this work? Why is the image of God, the Imago Dei, so important to the foundation of not just the Christian, but the society? Where the church stops saying, yep, you are born and made in the image of God, the world would just start buying all the images that the world like, make up or Satan tries to deceive them into. We, not, we can't lose our voice on this. And so God took his image, his likeness, the, and there's these ways that we can be like God and there's ways we are definitely not like him, but God is relational. Do you have relationships? I, if you're, you, you do, because you're in this room. God is communicative, he, he communicates. Do you communicate? And there's these ways that we bear his image and therefore there's worth to it. But and the reality is God creates Adam and everything's good. So like three-toed sloths and giraffes and we, that weird big-eyed pupil, like marsupial looking thing. The, he's like, that's good. That's really good. Slugs, good. Weird stuff, good. And then he creates Adam and then what does he say? It's not good. It's not good that he's alone. It's not good. This is where you get into, do men, do men matter more than women? Do women matter more than men? See, and this is the problem right now because we, we got a massive wave of feminism for the last like, 20, 30 years. We got a massive wave of like, sexual, sexual agendas right now. We got, we got these things that are swirling around us and what we need to come back to is, okay, what did God do? Go to verse 20 of chapter two. This is where they tell the story, Moses does, and then he kind of reiterates some of the finer details. And the reality is that you have Adam, which is the Hebrew word for man. And then you have Eve, or woman, because she came out of the man. And this is that story. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. For Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So you have a female giraffe and a male giraffe, and they get together and they make baby giraffes. You got the hippos getting down in the lagoon. You got, and then Adam's there and he's naked. You all are like looking at me like, this is weird. It's not, this is what's going on. This is what was gonna fill the whole earth. And who's at the top? Adam is. And Adam's job is to have dominion and rule and work hard. And the work's not feeble. We'll get to the curse here in a second. But he loves it. I mean, I just picture Adam's just like, oh, I get to name animals today. Draft. Like, he's just like loving life because he knows who his creator is. He knows his assignment on earth. And he's not worried about anything. But he doesn't have, he looks to his right and he's like, I don't really want to get down with an elephant. I don't really want to get down with that. And God's like, it's not good that you don't have someone like you. So what does God do? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So she, called, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This is the foundation of marriage. This is the foundation of where do we believe good sex should happen with a man and a woman in a marriage, together, forever. And the reality is, in our world today, marriages are broken. I mean, all over the place, it does not look like this on the earth, does it not? 
We have men and women at odds with each other. We have people divorcing for reasons that are so flaky that it's astounding. So what's the church supposed to do? Act like the world or come back to God's original design? Come back to what God originally said. One man, one woman for life. So God takes the man and forms out of him. And rabbis have so much to say about this. Like rabbis used to say things like, well, he didn't take it. Uh, I'm going to read it because I can't remember ancient Jewish rabbi writings. But he didn't take the woman out of the man's head so she would rule out of him. She didn't take the woman out of his feet so she, he would stomp on her. He took her out of her side so that they would live together. That's Jewish rabbis for And the reality is now God goes, that's good. That's good now. A man that knows that he's created by God and a woman that knows that she's created by God and then they get together and they do what God has intended and called them to do to cultivate the earth, to have dominion. And then I think maybe they probably just skipped naked around the garden, which is true because they don't get clothes until chapter three. So they're just naming animals and having a good old married time. If you don't know what that is, go ask your mom, kids. So, so who made two genders? Who made marriage? Who decided that men and women would be this and not this? God did. And there's this really, it's, it's becoming really, really common for me to hear. Well, gender is a sociological construct. Everybody ever heard that? And so really what we get to say is, I just really want to lovingly dis- disagree. This is not like this Ken doll has girl plumbing and this Ken doll has boy plumbing. That's not what, God wasn't just like up there with like connect blocks going. Now we got a woman and now we got a man. He intentioned and designed what a man would be. And he intentioned and designed what a woman would be. And so God made the two genders, and you need to hear me, God made the two genders to show off more perfectly his image. So we actually need each other. We really, actually, men and women together. And here's the reality. Have men ever taken this role, past sin, and used it to abuse women? Have we ever been chauvinistic buttheads? Have we ever used it to overdo where God has placed us? Absolutely. Have women equally done the same exact thing? Use their, who they are in God, to abuse, to control to manipulate, 100%. And so we look at the different things and we're like, yeah, 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 but it's broken. But what does it look like when it's whole? That's what we're asking. And so Genesis 1:26 says that from the beginning, God made us male and female. And the reality is inside your cells, in your body, XX and XY are a very real thing. Do you know this, right? That you are stamped as a woman, you are stamped as a man, and God did that. Which then that puts dignity because some of us in this room, you're not too happy how God made you. And I think that's what's going on in the earth right now. Some of you wish that your nose was just a little bit higher or like maybe you wish you had green eyes instead of this. Or maybe some of you have physical deformities and you're like, God, you might have made that guy because look at him chiseled, right? But you made me and you messed up. And so you start to like subvert. This beautiful truth that regardless of what you look like or if you're happy about it or if you like your body or maybe you're just like, man, I I don't know if I belong or fit here. God made you a man or God made you a woman and that's a powerful thing in this world right now to say. As a man, 
You should be like, God made me a man. And as a woman, God made me a woman. It is what you are, it is what you will be until you meet your creator and sustainer when he calls you home at death. There's not changing it. You don't see any fluctuation in it. And how do I say that? Well, Jesus, the God-man, he shows up, does he not? And I wanna read that to you. So go to John chapter one. In John chapter one, John starts talking about Jesus Christ. I need to take my hoodie off. What time is it? Okay. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Who's the him and who's the word? Jesus is. So in the beginning, same beginning of Genesis, you have a being. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They don't need anything, and they create all things. So in the beginning was Jesus right there with the Father, and right there with the Holy Spirit. This is basic, basic Orthodox Trinitarian belief. And what you have happening is the word puts on flesh and begins to come and show off what is true. Verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. How was the world made? Who was it made through? Jesus. Jesus was the creative force and power which through the God the Father spoke and Jesus enacted the word. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, there's beautiful, profound things. We could preach about this for months, I believe. But what you have is, number one, all things are made through Jesus Christ. You don't have a savior that was just a little bit better version of a human than you. You have the eternal son of God who put on flesh to rescue humanity that was made in the image of God, but that image was marred in Genesis 3, which we're about to get to. That same son who's eternal says, if you receive me, I'm gonna give you a right not to be born of flesh or blood or from a woman. I'm gonna give you the right to be born of who? Born of God which is what everybody on this earth, regardless of what they're stuck in, brokenness is, needs. They need to be born again of the Son of God by receiving him. But Jesus is God incarnate. Now, this is the moment, and I look for Jesus for my model for ministry. I look at Jesus for my model for all of my life. I follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. This would have been the moment for Jesus to show up and flip the script on gender, would it not? Like, why didn't he show up like some androgynous, like half man, half woman? Why didn't he come up and be like, gender's not a reality? Why didn't he do that? 
And you're like, well, the current, the, the, the normal cultural norm then was men, and he had to do it. Does the Son of God have to do anything that the culture says? So why did he do that? Other good questions, and we're not going to do this sermon today. Why did he only pick men to be his disciples? Verse 12, we're who? Men. Does that mean he hates women? Please say no. He doesn't. Because women follow him and women serve him and women preach the gospel and women go out and do Bible studies and there are women everywhere. In fact, the women are at the cross and the women are at the tomb and the women, not the men. But God in the flesh begins to show off a very gendered reality. He is a boy who grows into a teen, who grows into a young man, who then at 30-something years old starts a ministry as the man of God, the son of God. And that matters because he didn't blow up gender. In fact, twice that I can find, and there's a few more, but in Matthew 19, 4, he says, I have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. So what is the son of God incarnate in flesh doing? Backing up what Genesis taught. Jesus is going, hey, did you not read the part where God made male and female? Did you not read the part from the beginning, my father in heaven and I created men to be men and women to be men? Women. You got it. He says it again, Mark 10, he says, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And this is why we're not disconnecting the old from the New Testament, because the son of God who was there in the beginning of the old, in the beginning of the new, what is he heralding? That created order was on purpose. And so I want to talk really quick about the curse because it actually highlights that there are some key differences and what the world wants to do right now is make no difference between men and women. Now, can we agree that there are some differences between men and women? Now, most of the time when we say, well, what's the difference? We're like, well, boys like blue and girls like pink. And it's usually very cultural and very just like stuff that's like preferency stuff, Right? I mean, I, for one, have been beaten up by a girl. Anybody else? Thank you, Dave, for being honest, right? You just got to find the right girl with enough, you know, jack, and she'll, she slammed me on a table. So, so it can't just be muscle strength. It can't just be this. And it, but re, in reality, we know there's a difference, and it seems like so hard, but when the curse happens, so in Genesis 1, God creates all things. In Genesis 2, man and woman, he creates them. And in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve eat of the fruit, disobey God, and plunge the rest of humanity, you and me, into sin. So we're born into it. We're born, like, picture a spine. It's perfect. It's aligned. It doesn't, and then one of them is just a little bit clicked over, and it debilitates. The, that's what happened with sin. It disconnected us from our creator because he's holy and perfect and pure and true, and he gave us one rule. And here's the reality. If you and I, if me and Anna were Adam and Eve, pretty perfect humans, right? My wife's name, Anna. And we were in the garden. I'm not gonna go weird on it, but, and we were given one rule. Don't eat of that tree. Do you think we would make it? Do you think you would make it? And that's the reality. And this is the picture the Bible paints, that Adam's this first man, but yes, he led us into it, but we all would have made the decision. In fact, some of you are making the decision to dishonor God and the one whose image you were made into. And Jesus Christ is the good news that he brings you back into reconciliation with your creator, with the God that made you for himself. 
And so when he, when he curses them, and what I mean is they're cruising with God, they're walking with him in the cool of the day, they've named their animals, they're walking around naked, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no sin, there's no death, there's no nothing, nobody's crying yet. They eat of the apple and realize in a moment that they're separated. That moment, God comes in and because you have done this, Adam, he curses his headship and he curses his work. So any men in here, you've been working hard all day long and it just feels like stupid, frivolous stuff. You're like, why? What are we doing? You ever feel that? That's the curse. That's the curse on the work. That it's gonna be toil and sweat and that's how you're gonna get your money. And then equally, he curses the woman, but he doesn't say it's your work. He says your desire is gonna be for your husband and he's gonna rule over you. So the woman's gonna come in and she's gonna wanna be in power, but, the, but there's gonna be this call to submit. She's gonna, you feel that, ladies? When the husband won't lead, you're like, come on, man. Curse. So he curses them differently. So there's distinctions, right? And we can talk about distinctions all day long. Like, you know, I looked up some, but they're all just like basic, like kind of weird examples that I can't even find now in my notes. So I'm not even gonna worry about it. But it's, it was like, there it is, ha ha. So like all these studies of like an infant boy, if you, you can knock, like if you put an obstacle in front of an infant boy, what do you think they do? Like they have to get from here to here and there's an obstacle. What's the infant boy do? oh gosh all right so you put an obstacle right here infant girl how does she get from a to b she goes around it now that's not always that's like that's very like you know but it's most of the time uh i looked up like girls like complexity boys night so when they played jazz music for a six month old girl her heart rate sped up but when they played jazz music for a six month old boy flat I don't know, it doesn't feel like that compelling of evidence, but it's there. Um, I can go on. Those kinds of things, right? We could point those things out. Typically, men are a little bit more muscularly built, but I've met some women, like I said, who could tear me in half. So when we talk about manhood and womanhood, we have a God who said, hey, I made you on purpose the way that I did. You have the son of God backing that up and going, if any of my kids came to me and my, one of my sons would says, dad, I'm a girl now, you know what I'm gonna say? No, you're not. Because God made you a man. And that's not unloving. That's not a hate crime. That's Bible. And what the world needs now is some Christians who have a little bit more backbone than we ever have because the world is running, plunging headlong into things that it's going to destroy a whole generation. A whole generation is gonna cut off body parts, add things into their bodies. Hormones do powerful things. If I put testosterone in any of you, you're gonna get aggressive, you're gonna get a little bit more muscular, you're probably gonna get some acne. And we're doing this to people and the Christians are being bullied into being quiet. Don't be quiet. In fact, this whole sermon, like, I was like, oh, I don't want to come aggressive, but like, I'm not actually out after outrage right now. I don't need outraged Christians. Go to Facebook. There's a lot of them there. I'm not even sure half of them are Christians. They're using Christian language. They're using the Bible, but they're outraged. I'm not talking about outrage. I'm talking your heart is moved by what God's heart is moved by. So in it, all these topics have been politicized. Why are we not broken over a generation that sexually is just repeating what the 1960s already tried to prove? 
The sexual revolution didn't fix anything, y'all. They had a Jesus revolution that saved thousands of them. So now we have a whole other new generation that's like, well, I know what the solution to my identity problems and this, this aching in my soul. I'll give myself to all these partners. They're gonna find the same answers that every generation has found. And the Christians are going, well, that's their right, tolerance. And I'm like, no, tell them it will kill them. It'll destroy them. They're longing in some of these kids' lives that are going, I just don't feel right in a guy's body. I think I'm a girl. They're longing for what God made them for, and they're trying to answer it. They're trying to fill a hole with something that will not fix them, that will actually lead them marred, changed for the rest of their life, and it'll hurt the image of God in them. So what are Christians supposed to do? Be quiet, settle, and let people do that? No. I think we need to choose the way of Jesus, which is to lovingly enter into those things and begin to announce God made you on purpose. And I know you feel off. And I know you're trying to find belonging. And I know it hurts. And I know, and a lot of these kids, like I did youth ministry. Do you want to meet a weird group of people? Find an eighth to 10th grade grader. They are weird. They are all like lanky and they feel things and they're like, hormones are just like here and then they're here and then they're just like, I don't know what to do with my body. And they're like asking questions that are deep and hard and what godly parents need to do is not go, go ask your youth pastor. They need to go, son, look me in the face. You're a man and this is what we do. Woman of God, look your daughter in the face and tell her what a godly woman does. Don't be afraid of the conversation. You will fail miserably. Parents, You'll be like, I don't know how to answer that. That's okay. On the street, talking to your roommates, do not be afraid of them. Treat them what, what they are, image bearers of God, worth dignity, honor, and respect, and that Jesus Christ died to give them an identity that's 10 billion times better than the one they're trying to apply to their heart. Why? Because they're hurt. Because they don't know their identity. They don't know their worth. They don't know the image, the one whose image they were born with. So I got three things, then we're gonna get into communion. I'm gonna try to do it in four minutes or less, but good luck. Number one, when I think about this topic, I think, I think our, our empathy has been hijacked. So what I mean is we all wanna be empathetic, right? We all wanna be compassionate. So you meet somebody that's asking these questions and you go, I wanna be the shoulder, the nice person that they can trust. I wanna be the safe space. But, but it betrays you, it gets hijacked to the point you don't ever tell them the truth. And really what it turns into is, I just want somebody to be like, oh, I'm so glad that you're so nice. But in that process, you, you, some of us, we are damning people to hell because we're telling them an identity that's the exact counter of the one that God made them for. Just so that they'll be like, you're nice and I like being around you. Now, that line is hard because you could ostracize yourself from every relationship you're in. But if you're, you're walking with somebody, like I said, let's, let's go back to the guy that's shooting up. You could sit with that guy for days. You could weep with him. You could tell him about the love, that you love him, you accept him. He's, he's your friend. You could have him over. But if you never say, hey, dude, you need to stop doing drugs, you actually haven't served him at all, haven't loved him at all. You're not helping I would almost call that enabling. And Christians, we have high empathy. You should. You've been shown a lot of mercy, 
and a lot of compassion by God. Have you not? So we give that out. But that also needs to lead to a moment where we go, the biggest thing I can do for you is tell you as a friend, that's not good for you. That's not going to help you. That's not who you are. And enter into the conversation. They might blow up. They might walk away. Don't let your empathy get hijacked. I've met a ton of suicidal teenagers, and I have empathy for them. I don't want that for them. But I, you know what I always tell them? That's not God's plan for you. Why? So in that, we're like, well, you gotta do that there. Why don't I do that with sexuality? Why would I not do that with gender? Why would I not do that with drug use? Why would I not do that with, just go down the line? That's not gonna lead you to life. Why? Because Jesus is the way and the truth and life. I think number two, when I look at those early Christians, this is my hope for you today, that there'd be no guilt in your life and no fear in death. You, you and I, we are run by fear more than we even realize. We're afraid that our kids aren't safe. We're afraid that we're not gonna have enough money. We're afraid that we won't get the right job. We're afraid that I'll be alone forever. We're afraid, we're afraid, we're afraid, we're afraid. And we've let that fear come into how we share the gospel and how we talk about God. Why are you afraid? Look at me. If you are in Christ, you are going to live forever. Death does not hold us, and we are terrified of death. We're terrified of it. It's sad, but it's not the end. That's biblical truth, right? That the death does not hold me, that I'm destined to be with eternity, with the living Son of God, which then that frees me from a million fears, including not being liked by my peers, including being the weird guy that takes the Bible seriously including being the one that truly will follow Jesus even if it costs me everything because I want to be like the early Christians whose testament to the earth was their martyrs and their virgins. Because we're not afraid to die for this message because it is the truth. And I believe it with every fiber of my being that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't have to give myself to the sexual ethic of the day because I've been freed from money and shame and power. All the structures of the earth hold nothing to the kingdom of heaven. So there's no guilt in life. So Christian, if you're not walking in the freedom that Jesus purchased for you, let's do work after this service today. Don't leave here today walking in guilt and shame because Jesus, last I checked, takes guilt and shame off and gives righteousness. And then there's no fear in death. And I would ask you, uh, what are you afraid of? What keeps you up? What do you worry? What do you fret about? And those usually will, will indicate what you've effectively made your master. Christians are called to fear one, one man, one person. Fear God. Fear God. Like, what would it do if you gained the whole world? If everybody on Miami's campus was like, but you would forfeit your soul. What would it do you? None. It would do no good. So do no guilt in life, no fear in death. And then three, we get to herald the beautiful truth of the Bible. Like I said, this isn't an attack on an agenda. This is not a liberal or a conservative thing. This is the Bible declares over all of humanity they were made in the image of God. And that is never not good news for someone I meet today. 
Because they're asking, do I have purpose? If I just like exploded and now I'm just like a mix of cells, I don't matter. And what we say is, you do. You do have dignity. You do have worth. So once again, we get to herald the beautiful truth, not get outraged, be moved by God. Do not get outraged. Do not go on Facebook after that. Be moved for the people that God made in his image who are now not, are separated from him. We wanna be moved for that. Why are we not moved? Why are we not moved? And it's, I think, like, news cycles have not helped us. Facebook, is anything, is it connected? Is it disconnected us? When you, okay, so when you watch the news, and you see a guy get shot, are you moved? Or are you like, ah, oh, he probably, he, did, he deserved that. Because the one is a statement from a news cycle, and the other is, I'm moved because that was an image bearer of God. And I don't know if he's in heaven or hell right now. God, help us. When you see the stats on abortion in America, are you moved or are you calloused? And now you're all like, he just went political. I did not because every single one of those babies is made in whose image? So that's not a political statement. That's a Bible statement. When I watch a generation give themselves to sexual things that will destroy them and I go silent, what am I doing? I'm damning them. When I watch men abdicate their roles as husbands and I go, no, you know, just, just do you, man. Watch sports, go play golf, do whatever you got to do. Don't, don't worry, the wife will do that. I'm abdicating my role to yell at men to be like Jesus in their marriages. We're not like the earth. We're not talking news cycles and politics. We're talking about God's image bearers on the earth. You're one of them if you're in this room. And so here's the application of this sermon. Uh, it's not what you think. It's not go be a really good man or a really good woman because really in application, that would all just turn cultural because the normal American man, about my age, 39, we are into a few things. Barbecuing, amen. Probably bourbon and probably firearms. Maybe some jiu-jitsu in there so we can feel really like a warrior. You know what I mean? That's the stuff we, we buy into. That that's, that's what a man is. But if you want to know what a man is, go look at Jesus Christ. He images perfectly what it looks like to walk with God and love people. And he died for people. And he washed feet. And he learned and lived and submitted to men. that He, I, he called Judas and then let that dude follow him around for three years, knowing that he was going to do what he did. He died, he served, he rose, and he calls now. And so it's not go be a good man in an in American sense, go be a good woman, not any of the cultural stuff, not any of the 1950 picture of what a perfect housewife is. It's are you in Christ? Because that's the message. You want to know what will make you a redeemed man or woman? If you are in Christ or not. Because Jesus, when he shows up, he calls people to come to him and he will give them rest for their souls and he will transform them by they need to be born again. And he goes, I don't want your identity to be your race, your gender, or any of these other things that we like to delineate, like, like knowing people, like what are you about? Like, I'm, well, I'm a, I'm a cisgendered man. I got none of that. He's like, are you in me or are you out of me? 
And if you're in me, you belong to me and you're different now. So are you in Christ? You, every one of you, are you belonging to Jesus? Has you, have you been born again? Because Colossians 1 is the last verse of this day and then we're, we're gonna do communion. For by him, Jesus Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Why, who created you? Who created you? And don't make it, it's not about your aunt or your son or the guys on Slant Walk or you guys, it's you right here in this room. Who created you? Who were you created for? Which means you have a home, a place you're supposed to belong. You're supposed to belong to someone. And it's better there than anywhere here. Belonging to God, being with Jesus, being God's man or God's woman is infinitely better. There's nothing on earth better than that. And if you're not in Christ, it's really simple. You come to Jesus right now, this day, and receive him as Lord and Savior, God, creator and sustainer. I was made in your image and it was marred. Bring me back. I give you my sin and I confess and repent. Come, like, Lord, come and make me a new man. The man, if sin never happened in Genesis 3, that man. If sin had never happened in Genesis 3, that woman transform me from the inside out. And so we're gonna celebrate this Jesus that does just that. And so there's communion things here. And I, I, I always like to put weight on this because what we're about to do, and this is how I viewed it today, as you eat this bread and drink this juice, you are, you are submitting to the creator and sustainer of your life. Jesus, on the night before he's betrayed, he took bread, probably better bread than this, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. So as you eat this bread, remember the works of Jesus. And then he took a cup, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Drink this. And they drank the juice, wine, ours is juice. They ate the bread. And then he said, every time you get together, do this in remembrance of me. So what we're doing, yes, it's a physical thing, but it won't save you. So if you're not a Christian and I'm not withholding good bread and good juice from you, don't eat this. It's not for you. It won't save you. It'll give you a little higher blood sugar and a little carb hit. That's it. But if you're a Christian, you are heralding spiritually, physically, and in a submissive way, I belong to Jesus Christ and I am his man and I am his woman. You're submitting. So if you have things that you are not submitted to God in, you should confess those before you take this. And we've set it up this way. So all these up here are self-serve. I don't even like that word. But if you wanna come with your family and take communion, you can do that. If you are gluten-free, these golden plates are for you. If you uh, are not gluten-free, don't dip non-gluten-free bread in this juice because apparently it gets in it, it gets in their blood. I don't know. I don't know how it works. In the back, there are three tables where the elders are gonna be with their wives, I believe, and they will serve you communion. So if you're like, not only do I wanna be, I wanna take communion, I need to confess some sin to somebody. I need somebody to pray over me. I need help. 
I have questions. Though that's where you should go. So let me pray. The band's coming up. The elders are going back. And then when I say amen, the room is God's. And this is what I mean. No one's gonna come back up and dismiss you. If you need to leave, you can leave. If you are like, man, I, I, I got questions, come talk to me. If you're like, I, want, I, I need to take my kids and go, whatever, there's freedom. And we're gonna worship till no one's left in the room and then we do this all again in about an hour. So, Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that we would be a, a people of conviction, a people that are not afraid to say that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that if there's fear in our hearts, God, that you would remove it because you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That we would be like Jesus, our King and our Lord and our Savior in all areas of our life. Full of grace, full of truth. And I ask for the Spirit of God right now, Father, to come in and bring conviction, to come in and bring clarity, to come in and make this room like the kingdom of heaven. Oh, the kingdom of heaven where you reign and you rule and what you say happens right away where there's no tears and there's no pain and there's no sorrow and there's no sin. So God, we respond to your word right now. We worship you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.